Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. You are so gracious. You are so kind and you are so wonderful. And we appreciate your tremendous goodness that you have shown to us in many ways, but in the most important way, the sacrifice of Jesus for our redemption. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to do what you were designed to do in our lives, which is to lead us into all truth, which is to cause our eyes to be open, our ears to be open, and our hearts not to be wax gross so that we can hear what heaven is saying and we can walk in. We thank you that you have created us to be a people of victory, a people of who overcome, a people who walk as champions in this earth, that our victory is a sweet smelling savor to you and it becomes life that floods into the whole world. So Father, I pray that as the teaching goes through the day, that Father, that we won't be selfish in even just saying that we could be okay in our comfort zones, but that we begin to understand that your the victory that you do in our lives is for the world to see your goodness. So they will come to you and say, what must I do to be saved? And we thank you for the signs, wonders, and miracles that will come from this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 One Amen. testimony. Mm -hmm. So last week at the end of service, I released a blessing on the people who stayed to the very end. And I got a testimony from somebody who said, I was one of the people who stayed and I had something unexpected happen to me when I went to work the next day. I got a $3,000 raise that was effective immediately and I still qualified for, all, for my year-end bonus and my regular evaluation. And she said, I believe that that's because the honor on your life is on my life and it is causing me to be blessed. And so we appreciate Appreciate it when you take the time to share those testimonies. We were so excited for her, and we're just so thankful. We're believing God that we are. That's one of the things that we believe that if that partnership has its privileges, and that if you're in partnership with us, that the blessing that's on our life comes in your life, and the blessing that's on your life comes in our life, and together we are dominating and we are living a victorious life in every area. In every in every area. I love it. I love it. One of the things that we're going to talk about today, uh, again, is this idea of resiliency. And I don't know um, that I have personally in this year received more feedback from our partners about anything that we've taught. I'm not saying that this is the most impactful. I'm simply saying that whatever it is has been resonating with people and has been prompting them to reach out and talk about what this has done for them. That's what always it's, cool. What, it's always cool. What it's done for them on their jobs, what it's done for them uh, in, in school, like if they're in college or something, what it's done for their family, for their marriage. I've just heard from so many people. Uh, and as a result, it, it was funny because last week, uh, actually this week, I should say, the week that just passed by, I was kind of even asking the Lord, I was like, Lord, if this was going to be so impactful, you know, why didn't you give us the unction to teach something like this at the beginning of the year? And it's so funny because uh, the Holy Spirit has a wonderful way, if you've developed a relationship with him, to talk to you in a language that you understand personally. You know, we talk about all the time that uh, we have God's word given to us universally, but the Holy Spirit speaks to us uniquely. Mm -hmm. And so really what he said to me, he said, well, if you knew what resiliency really was back in November, he said, of 2020, you'd have understood that. And I was like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> and he was like, well, go back and read the scripture I gave you in November <laughs> to stand on all of 2021. And so I had been reading 
um, the word of the Lord, but I had not necessarily been reading the scripture that he gave. I had been reading, hold on to his word and all of those things. And so I wanted to, to share that this morning. Uh, this is what he gave us in November of 2020. He said, going into 2021, this is the thing that you're supposed to read and remember. And it's so funny because sometimes if you're not if you're not cognizant of everything the Lord is telling you to do, you can just let some things slip. You just can't. And so I want us to read this. First Corinthians 15, 58. And when you read this, see if this doesn't sound like resiliency. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, he says, with all you have going for you, be ye steadfast, <laughs> unmovable, secure and firmly planted. He said, live your lives with an unshakable confidence always abounding in the work of the Lord. We know that we prosper and we excel in every season. And we do this by serving the Lord because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive and not a waste of time or effort. And I thought, okay, you've been talking about resiliency since November of 2020. It just took us some time to get caught up to lay out everything we needed to to get to this point. And he was saying that the reality of it is, is that's why this message is so impactful because of everything else we've been talking about. So I got excited for our partners. I got excited for those who join us week after week because the reality of it is, is that we're heading into uh, the last part of this third quarter of this year. And I am believing uh, that just like you pronounce the blessing on the people who showed honor and who and who have been sowing their seed and those who have been showing up for prayer, those who've been showing up for Bible study, those who've been showing up for service, those who are who are doing their part with even sharing the broadcast when asked to do so, that those people who show honor are going to start to experience that five to one blessing that we've been talking about because now they have all the tools necessary to be as resilient as they can be in this fourth quarter, no matter what comes their way. They're going to remember the end of this scripture that says uh, that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive and not a waste of time or effort. So when you say that now, it's obvious after teaching sure. about resilience, sure. right? Is it obvious to you guys when you read that scripture after teaching about resilience that back in November, he was telling us to be resilient. Oh, 2020. In 2020, <laughs> he was telling us to be resilient. But here's the confidence it gives me. He always gives us what we need before before we need it. So it shifts us from living in this place to thinking that God is waiting to the last minute, waiting to crunch mm -hmm. time, waiting till you're already in trouble, waiting till you're already out of money to do that. No, 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 no. He gave us what we needed for this year before we ever went into this year. And what happened is because you kept bringing this word back to us. And we kept teaching on different components of this word. Now in September, end of August, September, we're able to go, ah, that whole scripture was about the ability to be resilient. Mm -hmm. Now I want everybody to say this, say, I am resilient. I am resilient. You have to begin to see yourself as a resilient person. There's a scripture that says, let the weak say I am strong, mm -hmm. right? 
It is so important that we understand that the kingdom of God, it lives differently and it operates different than the world. In the world, we say things like keeping it real and we use that as a justification for saying whatever we want to say, feeling however we want to feel and living however we want to feel, right? But when the Bible says, let the weak say I am strong, it's saying, yes, you may feel weak, it may look weak, you may, you may look weak, you may look like you are outnumbered, you may look like the odds are against you, but stay that you are strong. We're going to take the same principle. Even if you say you may feel like I don't feel like I'm resilient. Well, we don't live by how we feel. Right. We know resiliency has been released to us through the Holy Spirit. So some of you by faith now, you need to take resilience. And some of you, you need to level up and take a greater level of resilience because you had great resilience for the level you were. But now God is calling you to another level and you need another level of resilience. It came up that last year, this time today, and day and yesterday, yesterday we walked eight miles, and um, and then today, a year ago, we walked five or six miles or two miles, five or six miles, or something like that. So we did like 13 miles in two days, right? And I was thinking about that every day we're walking, the days that we walk, what happens? We're developing more resiliency with our consistency, right? Mm -hmm. So, how are you gonna develop resiliency? you're going to have to be consistent in what God is telling you to do. So maybe in the beginning, you're not a person who you can shift your mind immediately when you get a bad report. Mm -hmm. But the more you practice shifting your mind, saying that you're strong when you're weak, then what happens is you get more effective at it. If you had told me last year when I first started walking that I would walk eight miles in a day, I just simply wouldn't have believed that. I would not have believed that I had the capacity to do that. But what happened? Consistency, consistency, consistency. So you must see, guys, there is a connection between your consistency and your resiliency. What are you giving your time to? Because it's going to determine whether you're consistent or not. You know, another word that goes along with that idea and that thinking is the word endurance. Endurance. The, the more you do something consistently, the more endurance you build. The reason someone can't get out today and run a marathon is they don't have the endurance for it. Their body hasn't been conditioned for the stress and the pressure of running, of running 26 miles. Mm. But if you run a mile today and you train, you get really good at the mile and you run two miles and you run five miles and then you run seven miles and 10 miles and you just keep going and going and going. Before you know it, you build up the endurance to run a marathon. That's good. Well, this life we live is not a sprint. It's a marathon. That's why the Bible says we have to walk by faith. The more consistent you are in your walk of faith, the stronger, quote unquote, your faith becomes. Why? Because you have the endurance. What used to be what used to be pressure for you now is not even pressure because you've been consistent with walking by faith. I think you made such a good point here. And I think it's something that people miss. If you think about everybody who stood with Rod. Everybody mm -hmm. who stood with Rod, whether you realized it or not, you were building resilience, yep. you were building consistency, and you were building endurance, yep. right? What you don't realize, or you may not realize, is that the next time you're faced with a medical issue from anybody, you're stronger than you were when we started with Rod. Does that make sense to everybody? Well, and so, it goes back to what Pastor Raph taught on Wednesday, and if you haven't watched the Wednesday broadcast, you should. Yes. It's this idea of imagery. 
uh, that you have to have an imagination. We imagined what it's like already when Rod comes home. We already see what the reception looks like. We already see how happy everybody is. And so while while we're going through the process, that is that was our compelling why. That was the thing that was that was keeping us walking by faith because we had already saw that image. So that connects with everything you're talking about right there. I love that. And so you are stronger now if you stood with us regarding Rod. You are stronger now than you were when we started that journey. Why? Because you fast every day, Monday through Friday till noon. You make the confessions. You pray the COVID prayer. And so now you can take that resiliency in that area and apply it to other areas because you now know what it takes to be resilient. I want you to make this confession. I want you to say it with your chest. Um, like Kevin Hart say, say, I am engineered to overcome life circumstances. I am engineered to overcome overcome a life circumstance. I'm engineered to overcome. I'm built for this. I've been Years built ago, Ford used to have a thing mm -hmm. called built, built for tough. Y'all remember that? Baby, you are built kingdom tough. Yeah. You are engineered to overcome adversity. That's so true. I want you to become a person that when adversity shows up, instead of going, why me? I can't believe this happened to me. I can't believe I'm in this situation. You go, wait a minute. You pick the right one because I'm engineered to overcome life's circumstances. I was already prepared for this. How do you know that? Circling right back. It's September. But in November of 2020, 10 months ago, God told us to be resilient in this season. We know that we are engineered for it. We are not people who cave in and quit. And I want you to get stared up on that to begin to see yourself, not just Pastor Elwin, not just Pastor Ralph, not just Pastor Chris, not just the prayer team, not just me, but you are engineered to overcome because the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you and you are not a victim to what's happening to you. So you're not laying down in your bed saying, God, please do something. You are standing up in your righteous authority, decreeing and declaring that the will of God be done in your life. I had somebody reach out this week and they said that their car had an issue and they had to go to the shop and the amount of money it was going to take to fix their car, which they need to have fixed, was going to be the money that they had said they were going to use to start tithing. And they had to make it. The, and they didn't ask me. They called. They, they sent me and said, I want you to know I decided to tithe. And they decided to go ahead and tithe. And they said that they put their car in the shop. And when it came time to fix their car, their father-in-law said, hey, the Lord told me to not only get your car fixed, but that you needed some new tires and to get the new tires on your car. And that's what being resilient looks like. Being resilient is picking. It's not what's, it's not always picking what's easy. It's picking what's right. It's, 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 it's doing the right thing for the right reason at the right time. And because that person did that, she was able to not only get her car fixed, but she got four new tires and she was able to honor God with her time. And I think people don't even understand that, yeah. right? That when you become resilient about obeying God, yeah. when you become resilient about living the kingdom way, you will have breakthroughs that don't make sense yeah. and they're not supposed to because they make God, yeah. right? And I had a testimony on Monday where I was teaching about being resilient, for lack of a better word, for being resilient in being a sower being resilient, being a person who sold. And so at the end of the broadcast on strategies for success, people were sowing into my life. This one lady, she sold a dollar. As soon as the, 
the cash. I picked up my phone. There were all these cash apps and this lady sold a dollar. And the Lord said to me, he said, that was all she had. You reach out to her and ask her what she needs. Right. I reached out to her and I said, what do you need? And she needed um, $545. And the Lord said, you can't just send her $545. He said, if you send her $545, she doesn't have enough to tithe. Mm -hmm. He said, send her $660, tell her to tithe, to take care of her needs, and then to go put her hand to the thing I told her to do. Mm -hmm. Right? Those specific instructions. Tithe, pay the bill, and go put her hand to the thing I told her to do. She did it. She came back and she said, first of all, I wasn't going to sell the dollar because I was ashamed that it was all I had. And the Lord said to me, are you going to let pride stop you from obeying me? Right now, because she obeys God, God stares my heart. You have Sean Strickland. You have what it takes to meet the need, meet this lady's need. And then what I got to go back and say is that everybody who had sold into me, you helped me sow into her. And she came back and told me. I did. I went back to doing the thing God called me to do, and I got two orders mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Guys, this is what resiliency will get you. I think you. that's why it's resonating with people. It's getting people to go back to the thing God told them to put their hand to. They, they're, they're, they're picking up their dreams again. They're picking up their hopes again. People are like, you know what? I am going to trust God this time. I am not going to, to get halfway down the road and let something derail me. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to cave in. I'm not going to quit. I am going to go all the way with God. Yes, I love that. Now, did we say that this year? Did we say that last year? Because we've been teaching here for a minute now, but we had a a, a service where it just kept coming up. There is no quit in me. You remember that? Whenever that was, I want you to begin to prophesy over yourself. Call your own name. Etoy, there is no quit in me. Mm -hmm. Um, Latanya, there is Mm -hmm. no quit in me. Maurice, there is no quit in me. Mm -hmm. I need you to prophesy to yourself. There is no quit in me. Why? Mm -hmm. Because I'm resilient because I'm engineered to overcome. There is no quit in me. I see you, Leslie. Leslie was the first one. There is no quit in me. Why? Because if you start out from the beginning saying there is no quitting you, then even when times get tough, then you don't quit because you already saw yourself at the end. Well, we we, we saw that live itself out in our marriage. When when we got married and things were great, that honeymoon phase, that, 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 that Google I love that you have, we decided that we knew it probably wouldn't be that way all the time because we just know that's not reality. But what is reality is you can make a decision. And I want to say I thought it would be like that all the time. Did you? I, I okay. did. I, I, I did. No, I, I, that's why I was so sure <laughs> when it wasn't like that because I thought it was going. I thought it was going always I, I be that way. You should have told me. I've been more prepared. Okay, go ahead. But what you were prepared to do was to engage in the conversation where we said, "Hey, no matter what, divorce is not an option for us." That we said divorce wasn't an option and being unhappy wasn't an option. And because we said divorce wasn't an option and being unhappy wasn't an option, it took both of those two things off the table and forced us to go after something different. And I think that's the thing that people have to say. There's no quitting me. When you say there's no quitting me, now it forces you to have to go after something different because you've acknowledged that quitting is not in you. If it's not in you, you can't do it. And if and you can't do it, then you got to do something else. And the other only option to from from quitting is to continue. The, and if you quit, you lose. If you continue, you win. 
And I think that's the thing we, that, that is resonating with people. That's so good. I just want to say this one thing about our marriage, and then I'll do these recaps about resilient <laughs> people. Um, but I was thinking about this yesterday, that one of the things that really anchored me during the tough times in our marriage, right, is I had a word from God. Mm, yeah. I had a word from God. I didn't want to get married. I didn't intend to have kids. When I was introduced to you at 22 years old, on our first date, coming back, the Lord showed me a vision of us teaching on a stage, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's during a time when I don't know women who are preachers. So I'm not even sure how we're going to get there. The Lord says to me, this is your husband. This is the person you're supposed to spend life with. This is why I believe it's so important to know what did God say? Mm -hmm. Because when things were tough with us, mm -hmm. right? I could never get away from the fact that God told me we were supposed to be together. The reason that a lot of people don't have staying power in trouble is that they don't know what God said to begin That's with. Right. They don't That's know right. what God said to begin with. They don't have a picture of what it looks like. I would say to God, did I miss you? Am I supposed to be married to him? And he would say the same thing to me over and over again. You and Edwin are supposed to be together. And because I so believed him, even though it was painful shifting those things sure. in our relationship, I wanted to please him more than I wanted the temporary relief that divorce would have given mm -hmm. me. And I think that that when you see part of resiliency in the kingdom has to be why you are resilient. Mm. I was more I like committed. That. I like I was more committed to what he told me than I was trying to escape the temporary mm. pain that I felt. Mm. Because people may not have heard this story. It wasn't that we didn't like each It wasn't that we didn't love each other. We right. went through some times right. where we didn't like each other. We always loved each other. We always loved each other. And we always wanted to be together. We didn't know how to be together because we didn't have the tools. But I remember the day that I said to the Lord, because things was rough. And I was getting ready to graduate law school. Mm -hmm. I was going to finally have enough money to be to leave your tail. <laughs> I guess I was. Because we laugh when we tell people that part of the reason we stayed together early on because we didn't have enough money to file for the divorce. We didn't have no money to file for <laughs> so the divorce. Being broke ain't good, but it saved us. But it saved <laughs> us. That and Taylor Strickland, it saved us, right? And the Lord said to me, he said, if you will trust me, he said, I will give you a marriage of days of heaven on earth. And what is happening to you now will seem like a lifetime movie. Mm -hmm. I remember him telling me that. And when you came in yesterday and you had brought me flowers just because, because you went to the store, I heard the Lord say, didn't I tell you? I told you I would do it. And some of you, you're not going to get to the scene. Like if you would just develop some resiliency, if you would just develop some internal fortitude, if you would just some develop some stick to itness to say, I don't have to quit because it's painful. I don't have to quit because it's tough. You would get to the other side. The Bible said he would give us days of heaven on earth. And you would literally, Biggie said it like this, it was all a dream. Right? Oh, it was all a dream. And what used to be all a dream would now be your reality. And now it's so funny because people are always saying to us, oh, well, really what people say is they say we're courting on Sunday. Really, I'm flirting with you and you working on the notes. But it works for me because that's our relationship because you bought me flowers on yesterday, right? 
But the point is that we're now getting to live what God showed me because I was willing to walk it out with God. Tell your neighbor, say resilience is walking it out with God. Yeah, resilience is resilience walking, is walking out, with with out with God. And I'm sure you had some moments where you wanted to leave and God told you not to. Yeah, but I always knew that my best was with you. The problem Oh, was, no, no, say it again. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, come on, come on, say it again. Look at me when you say it. Look at me when you say it. I'm not about no. to do this. Don't agree with no, you. look at me when you say it. Come on back. Look at me when you say it. I always do this. Come on back. On come on back. No. Show them what love looks like. Show them good black love. Come on, say it. I always knew. <laughs> okay, I always knew my best was with you. I told y'all he knew it. All right, come on, babe, go ahead. I always knew my best was with you, but I, I didn't know how, honestly, how to get past my own selfishness. And, and what I mean by that is, I kept saying to God, if He would change these things about you, things would be better. And it wasn't That's until he started, and, and it wasn't until he started saying, and he, he literally said like this, he said, I could you can get a divorce and you can find someone else. He said, but wherever you go, that's where you are. You're mm -hmm. gonna take the same issue. The problem isn't shun. The problem is you won't let me deal with you. He's like, if you let me deal with you, I promise you I can deal with her, but I'm not gonna deal with her for you. I'm going to deal with you because I need to deal with you. And for me, that was the like aha moment where I was like, okay, I'm a, and really I went into it. I'm going to be honest. I went into it like, okay, fine, God. You're going to show God, I'm right? You're going to show God. You say, you say you can do it. All right. I'm going to let you work on me, but I bet you can't do no work. <laughs> but he did. <laughs> but he did. And, no, this is so good. And I, we want you, we are a practical example of resiliency, right? And so if you guys would just decide, I'm not quitting this time. The problem that you keep seeing in your finance that keeps you to back up off a of tithing, it's an issue of resiliency. The problem you keep seeing in your marriage, the problem you keep seeing that causes you to be a fit operating in office that won't let you go after the business. It's really an issue of resilience. What should you decide? You must decide that you love God more than anything mm -hmm. and you are willing not just to suffer through the marriage, not just to stay right, together right. and suffer through the marriage. Because remember we said we weren't going to get divorced and, and we, we weren't, weren't going to be, be unhappy. unhappy. That's right. Right. So what do we the, now look at this right here? We just walked through these three things. Mm -hmm. We said we, one of the things we recap, we said resilient people have a positive image of the future. Mm -hmm. They maintain a positive outlook and envision brighter days. They walk by faith and not by sight. I That's love, what God did with me. He gave me a vision of us where we are mm -hmm. now. He gave me a vision and I focused on that vision when things were tough. I had a positive image of the future, right? Resilient people do not say this is as good as it's going to get. That's right. Resilient That's people right. do not say it's always going to be this it's way. It's never going to get better. It's never going to get better. Right. Resilient people have a positive um, outlook on life. Go back and listen to Ralph's teaching. Resilient people allow God to paint on their imagination. Mm -hmm. That's all I did right there. When God gave me a vision of our future, I let God 
paint on my imagination and give me a vision to move forward to, right? Yep. Resilient people are empathetic and compassionate. However, they don't waste time worrying what other people think about them. They maintain healthy relationships, but they don't bow to peer pressure, especially from bullies and those who speak seek to manipulate. Mm. This is so good because I can use this with my marriage where people thought, hey, y'all are both young, go ahead and get divorced. It doesn't matter, but I can even use it with us at a time that I remember when God had told me that I had to stop responding to you out of anger. Mm -hmm. And I remember this one time, people have heard us tell this before, I literally was trying so hard to be quiet and I started crying. And you said to me, <laughs> what'd you say to me? I don't remember. It was you something said, bad, I'm sure. You said, I, you said, I probably asked you why you was crying. I said, those tears don't move. You said, I'm That's not something. moved by your tears. You see, his old self was trying to bully me into coming right. back to a place that I did not commit to do, to be in anymore. And he got stories from the other way that he would be trying to do the right thing. And, and my old self is wants a response, wants a demand, right? And part of what really freed us, I remember when you said, because marriage is our example for mm -hmm. resiliency today. Mm -hmm. Remember when God said to you, you that he told you to do what he told you to do regardless to what I did. Yep. That is how you get out of peer pressure. Yep. Do what God tells you to do regardless to other people. Now, what could go here with this is that once we hear, hear from flesh and blood, I mean, once we hear from God, we confer no longer with flesh and blood, right? And then resilient people never think of themselves as victims. They focus their time and energy on changing the things that they have control over. Wasn't that what was both happening to mm -hmm. us? We were, God was saying to me, you can't change Edward, but you can change you. He was saying to you, you can't change Sean, but you can change you, right? So when we, and it was amazing, the breakthroughs we began to have in our marriage, when we stopped saying things like, you make me mad, you made me do this, you're the reason I'm responding that way, and we began to take ownership that where, however we were acting, however we were reacting, it was because of what was in us. Now, somebody ought to take that. However you react, it's because of what's in you. And that really is a victim mentality. When you say that somebody made you mad, somebody made you cuss them out, somebody made you do this, somebody made you do that. What you're saying is, I don't have self-control. Other people have control over me. And it was one of the things that the Lord taught us about our relationship, but it's also one of the things that we, we taught our kids early on. We didn't let them say, well, I did that because so-and-so. No, you did that because you chose to do it. Because if you say that I did it because I chose to do it, then you can change it. But if you always give up and advocate the responsibility to someone else, then you're always just the puppet. Somebody else is always the puppet master. And in reality, then aren't you just such an easy target yes, for the enemy? Because literally the enemy just goes, absolutely. hey, I'm going to distract that one from his whole day. I'm yeah. going to have Sean go in there and say something crazy. Yeah. And then he going to totally forget about what God told him. And then he going to be in his emotions all day. And now... Now you can't hear what God is saying to you because you're so aggravated. Man, you are not a puppet. Don't give other people permission. And you got to remember, it's not really the people, it's the enemy. Right. Don't give the right. enemy permission to control you through people. Um, I was saying this the other day. Um, I was talking to a friend about getting rid of sugar out of my diet. And she was saying, you're probably going to be irritable uh, for a couple I, of I days. Yeah. And I said, if and because it's what you said after this even better. I said, food doesn't get to tell me how to act. Mm -hmm. If I am a person 
who my food preferences control what kind of mood I'm in, control whether I'm irritated or not, control whether I'm aggravated or not, my strength is small. And the Bible says if your strength is small, you will fail in the day mm -hmm. of adversity. Mm -hmm. And what people don't realize this is that if you have to have coffee to be pleasant, if you have yep. to have sugar not to know how stressed you are, those things are really your idols. Mm -hmm. Those things are your idols. You... Make, say this right here. Say, I won't let anything control me but the Holy Spirit. Mm, I won't let anything. I won't let control anything me control me except, Holy, except Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the only one I submit myself yep. to to be controlled. I won't be controlled by food. I won't be controlled by money. I won't be controlled by racism, fear, anger, stress. I will only allow myself. I have submitted myself to the Holy Spirit. He's the one who controls me. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I think it's, you know, I know we, we have those little cups and people, you know, always say things like, don't talk to me at 10 o'clock or till I have my second cup of coffee. And I get it. They're all cute little sayings or whatever. But the reality of it is what it's setting you up for is to be is to be controlled by something. And I was saying the other day that if you are controlled by something, then you're an addict. Uh, yes, that's th what I wanted th you to th say. That you're an addict because if you are, you know, people who are addicts, they will do anything mm. to fulfill the desire of that thing that's calling them. They'll steal. They'll sell their body. They'll 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 commit murder. They'll rob. They'll they'll do anything. And we look sometimes at drug addicts and go, "Oh my God, I can't believe those people." Well, what are you allowing to control you in the same way that 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 fentanyl may be controlling somebody else, or heroin or crack may be controlling somebody else? You're letting coffee and caffeine, you're letting caffeine and sugar and and whether or not you can have bread or not uh, control you. So you're just as addicted, even though it may look different. And so we were talking the other day and we were just saying that we decide in our life, we're not going to be addicted to anything but Holy Spirit. He's the only thing that we're going to always go after. Everything else can be given up. He's the only thing I got to have. The only that's thing. the fix I got to yeah, have. That's the so as have. we passed, it was about to read this scripture, but I really want you to think about this. Ask the Holy Spirit. Don't you just think about it. Ask the Holy Spirit right now. What am I addicted to? Mm -hmm. What am I addicted to? Is it bad relationships? Is it chasing after attention? Is it is it is it being if it's is it self-sabotaging? Is it food? What are you addicted to? Why? Because when you can tell the truth, last night I was laying in bed and I was just thinking about this series, and I just began to say this: Lord, create a clean heart in me. I don't want anything in my heart that the enemy can use to keep cause me to mm -hmm. disobey you. Mm -hmm. I don't want anything left in my heart. Wash my heart, clean my heart. Mm -hmm. I don't want anything in my heart that makes me choose obeying the enemy over you. Mm -hmm. And when it gets that serious for us, we'll see some major mm -hmm. breakthrough. I agree. So one of the things we started talking about several weeks ago, we started talking about this idea of what, what, what do we need to do in times of trouble? Mm -hmm. um, and, and trouble can be defined differently for different people. How you see things determines trouble. But when you see trouble, what can you do to get out of trouble? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we talked about was this idea of resiliency, which is why we spent a little time kind of really building this up. Uh, and we, the scripture we were looking at when we first started this was Psalms 37. And so we want to take a look at Psalms 37 this morning, <clears throat> excuse me, and then what we want to do is we want to glean some things 
from Psalms 37. Because what Psalms 37 is, it's a Psalm of David. And it's, it's really about giving praise and honor to God, but also reminding us that just because we see things that are happening, just because we see uh, the wicked uh, prevailing, that we are not to, 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 to stop walking by faith or begin to go the way of the wicked. Mm -hmm. So let's mm -hmm. begin. We'll read Psalms 37, uh, verse 1 through 13. So in Psalms 137, uh, let's see if I can pull it up here. We got, I think we got it here. There it is. It says, fret not thyselves because of evildoers. It says, neither, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. So right off the bat, he's telling us, don't be concerned about how other people are prospering who are not doing it God's way. He says, for soon they shall be cut down like the grass and they shall wither as a green herb. He says, trust in the Lord. I love that. And do good. So shall thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of thine heart. And sometimes people say, you know, well, the Lord said he's going to give me the desires of my heart, but there are some conditions for that happening. Mm -hmm. Verse 5, he says, commit thy ways unto the Lord, trust in him also, uh, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring it to pass, not we go out and make it happen ourselves. Uh, it says, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as noonday. Verse six, seven says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who, who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. In other words, he says, don't just start uh, being the person who says, hey, he's making it, so I'm going to go do it his way. In other words, stick with God. Stick he with says, God. cease from anger, forsake wrath, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Don't start contemplating how you're going to get over, start scheming and doing stuff that the Lord hadn't told you to do. He says, for evildoers shall be cut off, and you don't want to be one of those get cut off. He said, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Whatever is theirs in the earth, they shall inherit. He says, for yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. He says, then in verse 11, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just and gnashes upon, gnashes upon him with his teeth. And then finally, verse 13 says, the Lord shall laugh at him for he seeth that his day is coming. And so in other words, we don't have to be concerned about all of these things that are happening for the people who are prospering or who, who seem like they're prospering doing it a different way than what God has said. Mm -hmm. And so there are seven things that we can we can garner from here. And the first one comes from the very first verse. He says, don't fret. Don't fret. What does it mean not to fret? David understood that it can be hard to avoid fretting. And I don't want to make, make it seem like it's easy. When things happen, we are human and we are concerned about it. You know, uh, I'll be honest. I was concerned about Ron. What do I mean? I was concerned because I knew that he was he was way too young to leave his girls. He's way too young to leave his wife. I knew they had a full life ahead of him, but I didn't fret over it. Why? Because I got a word from God and an image from God of what God said he would do. So that became my focus. That's very So good. when we say don't fret, we're not asking you to be some superhuman. What we're asking you to do is to not put your trust in you. Yeah. Well, one of the things I think we all did at the beginning of that, when mm -hmm. I say all, I mean the prayer team mm -hmm. and the intercessors, and we walk with Tanya through this, right, is that we said we had to have a vision. Mm -hmm. So we had feelings, but we had to have a vision. So in the beginning, I did not do a lot of praying for Ron. 
what I did was I let God let paint me an see, paint an mm -hmm. image. Mm -hmm. And once I could see Ron in his old age, that's when I began mm -hmm. to pray for him. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that helps us not to fret is not to pretend that we don't have emotions, right? One of the things I've just learned to ask, you should put this in your notes. It, it'll help you. I say, God, where are you located? Where are you located? So he showed me Rod and Tanya later in life, much later in life. So I knew he had to live in order to get to that point. So then our job became was to put our job became to push back premature death mm -hmm. so he could get to that vision. Mm -hmm. It's not that we didn't have feelings because I love that you said it's not that we're we're not. We're not void of feelings. Even Jesus had mm -hmm. feelings. We just don't let our feelings locate us, right? Because fret and fret to fret means to worry. And worrying is a choice. And the best weapon oh. we the best weapon we have with against worrying is prayer. And we can take our concerns and turn them into prayers. Yes. It's the best weapon that we have. You know, you think about it, you read this uh, Psalm in Psalms 37, between verse one and verse eight, three different times we see he says, fret not. So he's wanting us to know that the opportunity to fret, the opportunity to worry is going to be there, but we get to choose whether we worry or whether we trust. And it's really up to us. We say this all the time. Life is choice driven. Am I going to choose to worry? Am I going to choose to trust? You can't do them both at the same time. I love what Caress just said. She says worry is a misuse of imagination. It is. It's, but I love what you have on this piece of paper. And I think this is why a lot of people don't despise worry. Worry is a sin. It is. Worry is a sin. If I am worrying, it means my trust and my focus is someplace other than for me mm -hmm. on God. If I am worrying, I am missing the mark. I am looking at something other than God is doing. And I think it's what, literally a commandment from God not to do. It is a commandment from God. And so here's the thing you say, well, I can't help but worry. That's not true. God never commands us anything to do that he has not empowered us to right. do. So if he's commanded us not to worry, not to fret, he's empowered us. The question is, are we willing to do it his way? Or are we so used to worrying because our mama was mm -hmm. a worrier, our daddy was a worrier, our grandmother was a worrier. And so we now just allow that to happen in our life. Some of you need to say to God, God, I give you this pride in me that makes me worry. Well, the scripture says, and, and God knew that we would have opportunities to worry. It's why he said, cash your cares cash. on me. Take you got it's a choice. It's a choice. I can choose to hold on to them or I can or I can choose to give them up. He says, give me your worry. Give me your concern so I can give you peace and I can give you joy. He says, you can't have them both at the same That's time. So, good. so if you want my peace, if you want my joy, you have to exchange something from. So what you can give me is your worry and your concerns and I'll give you my joy and my peace. And here's a great example of how repentance works. When I won't acknowledge that worry is a sin. I don't know that I need to repent mm -hmm. for it. I say that's just the way it is. When I don't repent, that means I haven't changed direction, which means that I now don't have the anointing on me to move me out of worry into the peace that God mm -hmm. has for me. That is why repentance is so important. It Repentance literally means I realize I'm going down a track. And you may have to do that in a situation. You may have to keep 
giving it back to God, giving back to God. God, I apologize that I picked this up again. I'm giving this back to you because I trust you with my life. Well, worry is sin. And if I don't own that it's sin, mm -hmm. if I don't acknowledge that it's sin, if I say some humanistic viewpoint that it's just what people mm -hmm. do, then I don't get the supernatural exchange of peace that allows me to be anchored even when things are crazy around mm -hmm. me. Right. And it's one of those things where people can even say, well, how can I how can I trust God when everything is going so bad all around me? Well, you go back to that scripture that says all things work together for the good of them that love God who are called according to his purpose. I trust that even in the bad times, God is still there. You asked the question a moment ago, God, where are you located? He's the same place he's always been. He's right there with you. He's right there beside you. He is the one who is guiding you through. But if you allow fear and worry and concern to consume your mind, you can't see where God, I, I think of it like this. You ever been in a really, really heavy, heavy uh, fall and you can only see like a few feet in front of you, even on a road that you've driven many, 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 many times before, it can still be worrying or, con or concerning because you don't know because you can't see. That's what fear and worry does. God's walked you out of situations before. You know he'll walk you out again. But when fear and worry comes, it's like fog. And now you can't track mm, God. Now so you can't good. track God. Now because fear and worry and concern is like a fog in your mind. So you can't track God. But if you say, God, I trust you. God, I just trust you. You, 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 you leave. Then you only have to do like you do in a fall. When, it, when there's a deep fall, you just, you just know where the next two feet is. And you go to the next two feet and the next two feet. And before you know it, you're out of the fall. And that's what God does for us. Amen. Everybody should just say, I release worry and fear. Mm -hmm. I, release I release worry, worry and fear. fear. I choose. It's a choice. I choose to trust God. Mm -hmm. And for some situations, you may do that one that time and give it to God. For once, another situation, you may have to do it a hundred times in a day. But what do you do it by doing it a hundred times mm -hmm. a day? You're building resiliency. And why you can't control every thought that comes to you, you can control how you respond to that. Thought. Yes. You may not be able to control every thought that comes to you, but you can control what you do once it gets there. And if something comes in the form of worry, something comes in the form of fretting, something shows up that makes you uh, concerned about something so deeply that you can't eat, you can't sleep, you have the choice to give that over to God. You have the choice to give. You can give. And with the reason I said that is pride. Because it's the pride that makes us think by worrying mm -hmm. we can do anything. Mm -hmm. So you got to understand worry stays in place by pride yep. because you think that you're not sleeping. You think that you're pacing the floor. You think that your anxiety and your stress is going to change anything. That's pride. We The Bible says, which of you? can even can, can make yourself taller, yeah. can increase the number of hairs that come out of your head. So we need to understand that when we are staying in this place of worry, it's really held in place by our pride. This belief that we actually can do anything outside of him anyway. It's why I love Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It's yes. one of my favorite scriptures. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. He says, don't worry about nothing. <laughs> he says, pray about everything and tell God what you need. And then thank him for all that he's done. That is the formula for success. 
That is the formula for success in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And then, of course, Mark 11 and 24 says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So if you believe in prayer, if you if you live out Mark 11, 24, even when worry and trouble comes and you pray, now you shouldn't be worried anymore because you already believe you have received what you prayed for. And one of the challenges with worry is that when I when I stay in worry, I can't even hear the instruction God has mm. given me to turn it around. I don't even know my part to play because, again, worry is like a fog. I can't even yep. see. I want to make an exchange, give my fear to the Lord, my anxiety to the Lord, stress to the Lord. I want to give it all to the Lord so I can get some clarity because the Bible says in Matthew, anytime I can see, hear, and understand, I will, I will heal, convert it which will produce healing. Mm -hmm. My bad, I got ahead of myself. Mm -hmm. It's going to produce a conversion that is going to cause me to be healed. So what, number one, what's the number one thing you need to do? Don't, Don't fret. fret. Don't number worry. two, number two and three together, trust in the Lord and do good. They go together. They go together. <laughs> trust in the Lord. Trust in the good. Lord and do good. And the reason that they go together is because I'm not doing good unless I'm doing what God said. Mm -hmm. And I have to trust in God to be doing what he said. That's right. So it's that circular, right? If I want to do good, there are some seemingly good things that are not God things, right? He says, these set, we have to see these being as being inseparable. They don't exist without the other. Faith and trust, um, they are verbs, meaning that they are words that are supposed to compel us to move. It's a lifestyle and they involve action. I was reading something interesting the other day. John, the apostle whom Jesus loved, that's how he referred to mm -hmm. himself, right? They say that in all the other gospels, they use words like faith, but he uses the word believe as an action word. Mm -hmm. He's the only one who uses the word believe over and over again. He used it more time than any of the gospels. And the, the commentators believe it's because he so trusted Jesus that believing him was always an action for him. It always caused mm. him to move because he so trusted Jesus. My trust in God, my trust in Jesus, it should cause me to act, right? Real faith. There can be no biblical faith. I say this all the time. There can be no biblical faith without obedience. And obedience includes doing the good things that God commands. Mm -hmm. So if God says, don't date them, that's good. Mm -hmm. If God says, give the money to this person you don't like, that's good. Whatever God says to do is good. Can y'all put that in the comments? Whatever God says to do is good. Whatever God, and, and, and really, we got to dig deeper into this trust in God, trust in Jesus, right? Because we get to the point um, where we really begin to understand that every instruction that God gives us is, it, number one, it's a good instruction because mm -hmm. he can only give good instructions. Right. And it is for our good. Yep. So everything God asks us to do, it is good and it is for our good. And I was talking to the Lord yesterday about disobedience. And he was saying one of the reasons, one of TDJ's years ago, he said that he gave this definition of sin that I love. He says sin is trying to get a legitimate need met mm -hmm. with an illegitimate means. Yes. 
Sin is when I try to get a look. God gave me a legitimate need to be loved, a legitimate need for provision, a legitimate what whatever. This there are legitimate needs for these things. And I go and try to get it illegitimately. And he said to me, he said, when you do that, it's because you don't trust. Yeah. You don't trust that what I'm saying is for your good. You don't trust that my way is good. You don't trust that my path is good. And there have just been times in my life where I have tried to find a different way to do what God told me mm. to do. How about you? Yep. I've tried to find a different way to do what God told me to do. And the reason that I was trying to find a different way to do what God told me to do is because I fundamentally didn't believe in his goodness. Mm -hmm. yep. And that's a hard thing for people to admit because we love to sing about, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. But when God tells us to eat away, to walk away, to live away, it's because he's good yep. and what he's instructing us to do is for our good. So when I'm out here trying to get a need that he has already given me provision for met in a different kind of way, mm. I fundamentally do not believe in the goodness mm. of God, at least in that area, yep. at least in that area. Which is why. So he says, then, number one, don't fret. Number two, he says, you got to trust in the Lord, he says, and do good. And then that's what I like about the fourth step. The fourth step says, delight yourself in the Lord. Now, when we talk about delighting yourself in the Lord, the only way I can really explain this is about increased intimacy. Mm -hmm. He says, I seek increased intimacy with you. And the question becomes, if I delight myself in the Lord, then what else am I delighting in? Where's my delight? And you talked about trying to get a legitimate need met through an illegitimate source. That's what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Which one are you going to delight in? Are you going to delight in receiving this need from me? Or are you going to delight in receiving this need through some of the means? And he says, if you seek to get these needs met through some other source, then the only way to sustain that need when it comes is through that other source. That's good. And nothing That's else good. has the ability to sustain you like the Lord does. He says, so delight yourself in the Lord. I love what David says when he says this because he backs this up by saying, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. He literally says, your opportunity to have a blank check comes with who you delight in. If you delight yourself in God, then the desires that you have in your heart that God has put there, they now get a check written for them because God wants to oh, give you good. that. That's a good picture. God wants to give you that. And so when he says to delight yourself in the Lord, it's so important. We have to ask ourselves, what is my greatest source of pleasure? Is it from seeking my own needs or from seeking God? Come on. Is it from, do I get my greatest source of pleasure by getting my needs met or by serving God? And here's the thing that we miss. You cannot serve God and not get your needs met. You cannot. And I think some people think that there's a dichotomy there that I either got to serve God or get my needs met. But God is not some hard taskmaster. You need to say that. This You need to say that. Say God is not a hard taskmaster. I got to plug my thing. You know, I want y'all to think about it like this, man. Matthew 6 and 33, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added unto you. God is not crazy. God doesn't not know that we need things. He put us in the earth realm. He knows you need food. He knows you need shelter. He knows you need insurance. He knows 
all of these things. He's saying, if you put me first, if I become your greatest pleasure, if I become your greatest desire, then I will give you, you can have me and the things. Yes, Here, you me can have and me and the things. So many of us, we have abandoned God to get things. The things that we abandon God to get beat us up, strip us, strip us of vitality, leave us with all of these wounds. The reality of it is, is that the Bible says we're only drawn away by the lust of our own flesh, right? Yeah. So it's not that the need was bad. It's that we so wanted the thing. I want you to stop and think about what have you so wanted? that you were willing to abandon God for it. And most people would not say, I really was a win mm. a willing to abandon God. Mm -hmm. But if you kept dating somebody that God told you not to date, if you went to a city, if you left a church, here we go. If you won't accept the call, there are many of you that God has called you things. He has told you who you are and what to do. And you just fight against it. You won't embrace it. Understand it's because you don't believe in the goodness of God. And in essence, even if you're going to church and lifting your hands, your heart has abandoned God. Mm. Mm. Bring your heart back mm. to God. Mm. Delight in God. Let it be that everything God ever promises you, mm -hmm. everything God ever gives you, it is inferior to him. It is. It's inferior. You got to make everything. When you understand the way. Because now I worship the giver of the gift more than I worship the gift itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like and that. many of us, if we were honest, this is a this step four is really where we can grow up mm. because our delight is not in God. Mm. How do you know your delight is not in God? Because of how you act when the money is funny. Or you look for opportunities to do it other ways when he tells you to do it a certain way. That's right. You have this. Here's the thing God told me one time. He said, you and I have the same desire. Mm. He said, but the way you want to get it is not my way. He said, we have the same desire. You can do it your own way, but now you're responsible for maintaining it. Or you can do it my way, and I guarantee you I can maintain it forever. And it's, and it's that when he's talking, so this whole idea of delighting yourself in him, it's like wanting to do it his way. Like, yes, I could do it another way, but I don't want to. I want to do it his way. And that's what that whole delight is. I feel like that's one of the reasons that God uses marriage to show covenant, mm. right? And 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 I, I this here's the thing. Um, I want to the way the kitchen is cleaned is important to you. It is. I want to clean it that way mm -hmm. because it's important to you. Mm -hmm. It is only important to me. Because it is important right. to you. I would still clean the kitchen. Right. I just wouldn't clean the kitchen like you clean right. the kitchen right. every time you clean the kitchen, right? right? But I, I found myself, even on yesterday, cleaning the kitchen as you were going, going out to get some food, thinking I was doing this because of my love for you. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself this question. Why do I actually obey? Mm. Yeah. Why do I actually obey? Why do I actually do what God is telling me to do? And hopefully it's moved from I'm afraid of what will happen if I don't mm -hmm. to I love him. Because I love him. Hopefully you've progressed or are progressing because, you know, the reality of it is when you if you've never heard the gospel and you first hear the gospel and you first hear that there's an afterlife that, that you may end up going to if you don't serve him, uh, you can you can come to him in fear. 
but you are not stay in that same place. When you get to learn about his love, I begin to do the things that I do because I love him because he loved me so much first. No, that's so good. Um, um, Stick said, she said, do you delight or do you detour? Wow, and good. I thought that's really, that really good. good. Do you delight mm. or do you detour? Mm -hmm. And Tamara just said, she says, I clean my kitchen the way I do now because dad always wanted his kitchen done mm. that way, mm. right? So there ought to become something in our heart that as we grow up in sonship, because look at this, now Tamara's in her own house yep. and she's still cleaning the kitchen yep. after the heart of the father, right? Yep. As we grow up, we should be representing the father everywhere. Mm. It shouldn't just be that we're doing that when we're in the house or oh, when we are yes, young yes. or when we are in trouble. Our desire yes. should be oh, to take good. the father's that's way good. wherever we that's go. Good. Everybody who yes. sees the Stricks clean a kitchen should be able to say, we got this from the father, right? So ask yourself, are you a person who is sticking with the father's heart or do you just do it in order to get a new relief, do it in order to get a breakthrough, consider always fighting against it. And then as soon as you get on your own, you go back to your own thing. Wow, that's good. That's good. I mean, do do you are you serving God because you think He's going to give you some temporary relief? Yes. And then you go back to living and doing the things yes. you want to. And if you do, that is the reason you find yourself living in the cycle of of always having to come back to Him in this in this way of Oh my God, will you please help me? Rather than just living in this place of I'm I'm, I'm living to please God. I got to tell you this. So four is delight yourself in the Lord, and five is commit your ways to the Lord. I don't know what it was about this series. But this series really brought me into a place of repentance mm -hmm. because it really showed me that as much as I love God, I had things in my life I was still doing my own mm -hmm. way. Things in my life that I was justifying for doing it my own way. When I could clearly look and see, this is what's so crazy to me. The things I do God's way, I have big success. And the things that I do my way, and quasi mm, sometimes up mm. sometimes down and i as i was thinking about some of these notes i was like commit your ways to the lord sean what ways have you not committed to the mm -hmm. lord mm -hmm. guys ask the holy spirit right and, now and, there's tr and the truth is there are some things we don't ask god because we don't want to hear his answer well, let's, let's just be honest. There are some things we don't, don't ask, ask God because we, we don't want to hear his answer. Because if his answer is different than ours, we're going to still do what we want to do. Mm. But that's why it says you got to make a commitment. Commitment is important. You got to commit your ways unto the Lord. In Hebrew, that word commit means to roll something onto something else. I got to roll my ways of doing things onto the way God wants to do things. I got to give up my way and pick up his way. I got to become one with him. You know, there's a scripture that says, uh, my thoughts are not your thoughts. These are my ways, your ways. Uh, but but he wasn't talking to those of us who've been born again. He said, those are for those who, who don't know me. When you know me, my ways ought to become your ways. My thoughts ought, my to, become ought to become thoughts. your ways. Uh, and so that's when he says, he, I think that's why David uses this in Psalms 37 and 5, when he says, Commit your ways to the Lord. Commit your ways to the Lord. So here's an example right now. You can ask the Lord right now. You don't have to wait till we're done with this right. live. Right now, you can say, where are some areas that I need to commit my ways to you? And let me tell you what will help you. 
when you realize, and I say this a lot because I really want people to get this, God is not interested in making you a better you. Right. So there should never come a point where there is not something that comes up for that. If something doesn't come up for that, you're operating in deception Mm -hmm. because the goal of God, Paul says, I labor till Christ be fully formed in you. The job is for Christ to be fully formed in me, not for me to be better than I was when I was 39, 29 and 19, but for Christ to be fully formed in me. So anytime I get the opportunity to be like, wait a minute, where are some places that my ways are not committed to you? He's the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit can't lie. Mm-hmm. See, if you ask the Holy Spirit where you're not committed, he don't have any choice mm-hmm. but to tell you mm-hmm. because you asked. And so now what's going to happen is that you have the opportunity to say, I am going to commit to you in another level and I don't have to feel bad. I can say, hey, this is where I was at this level. Now I'm just growing up. I don't have to beat myself up. I don't have to carry shame. I repent and I move forward. I I repent and I move forward. So when God talked to me in this series about some things I needed to commit to him, and I felt like this, there were things that he was like, it was like a report card for Mm -hmm. me. There were things he was like, oh, you're doing real good in this. You got an A over here. You got an excellence right here. He said, but I want to talk to you about these needs improvement. Mm, These needs improvement. (laughs) And I want to tell you, let me just be honest with you. I had some unsatisfactory in a couple of I had a couple of you. I had a couple of you. A couple of you where he just said, listen here, I keep talking to you about this same thing. Some of you have not given your mouth to the Lord. You haven't given your money to the Lord. You haven't given your body to the Lord. And I don't just mean sexually. I mean, literally, there are those of you right now with physical ailments. God has told you to eat a certain way, but you won't commit your way to the Lord. Listen, everybody knows good relationships require commitment. Mm -hmm. Beneficial relationships, Mm -hmm. satisfaction the relationships, satisfying relationships, they require commitment. Are you committed to doing it God's way? Mm. And you know what? This is how you know. I was thinking about this. You know, the flesh really is designed to kill us. The flesh, it really is designed Mm -hmm. to kill us because our flesh is so anti-God that our flesh will have us eat food that we know gonna make us sick. Yes. Our flesh will have us get involved with relationships that we know gonna break our heart. Our flesh will have us step outside of the ark of safety. And then many of us, we have wounds and we're like, God, how did you let me get wounded? He said, I respected your choice. Mm. I respect, see some of you right now, you could get delivered right now and come out of office. You could stop being mad at the person who hurt you. You could stop being mad at God because you say, God, how did I get here? And he said, I respected your choice. I kept pulling on you. I kept sending messages to you. I kept pouring my love on you. But I, I respected your choice. And God in his sovereignty respects the choice of humans. That's why I have to choose to commit my way to him. I have to choose to commit my way to him. So he said, number one. We've got to not fret. Not fret. Then number two and three, he says, we got to trust in the Lord mm-hmm. and, and do, do good. good. Number four, he then says to us that we need to delight in yourself the in the Lord. Amen. And then we just heard number five, he says, we need to do what? Commit, Commit our ways, ways to, to the Lord. Lord. So then the sixth thing that we need to do that we glean from Psalms 37 is to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Now that can sound super spiritual, but here's all it means. It means... Go to God 
and wait until he gives you an instruction. Go to God and wait till he gives you an instruction. Take your problems. A lot of times what we want to do is we want to solve our own problems. We want to solve our own issues. We think that we're smart enough. We think we're connected enough. We think we got enough education. He says, literally, what you need to do when you have a problem, before you try to solve that problem, take that problem to God. No matter how big it is or no matter how small it is, take it to God in prayer. That's why I love Philippians 4, 6, and 7. He says what? He says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all that he's done. He says, that is how you approach God. This is how you learn to be still. The reason that some of us get in trouble is just what you said. God respects our ability to choose. And because we choose to try to fix it ourselves rather than going to him, then he respects that. But I hear so many people say, well, I don't know what else to do. All I can do now is pray. That should not be your last thing. Prayer should be your first thing. So he says, be still so good, before babe. the Lord and wait patiently on him. What does it mean to wait patiently? It means to be, continue to do step one, continue to do step two, continue to do step three, continue to do step four, and continue to do step five until you get an answer about that particular problem. Because patience in the kingdom yes. means resilience and consistency. Yes. It means, and this is where people really mess up. It don't mean just sitting around not just doing sitting, it. I'm just going to lay on the couch because the Lord ain't told the me. The Lord got to bring the answer. He may be telling you what to do to produce the answer. That's absolutely it. Um, and 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 here it here, here to me is a great example because I feel like um, I love what Elaine said. I love the honestly the honesty. She said I feel like it takes too long, and some of that is because as human beings we're so bound to time, mm -hmm. and it we don't realize that it's our own hearing. God is not slack in giving His answers, mm -hmm. right? It's that many times answers don't come in the way that we think they should. And I love the one second. I was say, but and oftentimes it's because we're on the wrong frequency. We're on the wrong we, frequency. We, we say that we're asking God, but really it's like trying to. If you ever had a conversation with someone. And, and it's, and it's a, a, what we call a crucial conversation. And the person is talking to you. If you are only thinking about your rebuttal, you're not actively hearing. And many times we're going to God asking him what we should do. But in our minds, we're already coming up with a rebuttal for if he tells us to do something we don't want to do. Well, so you're not hearing him. Well, And so sometimes it can feel like forever that it's not taking place. I'm not hearing from God. It's not going as fast as I like. But here's the thing. If you're delighting in him and trusting in him, that time slips away. If, have you ever watched a really, really good movie? I watched two this week. Right. <laughs> if you watch a really, really good movie or you listen to uh, or you watch a really good game or whatever, time escapes you. When you're enjoying what you're doing, time escapes you. The reason the reason you got some people who can listen to us teach for 90 minutes is because they're enjoying what's going on. The reason other people have to click off at the 15 minutes, they aren't enjoying what's going on. The thing is, is when you begin to enjoy God, Whatever your problem is, doesn't seem like it's taking forever because you get caught up in God. Well, the time just goes. Well, let me let me add this too. I think that sometimes it's not that God doesn't give us an answer; it's that His answer is insufficient. Yeah. To us, for what it we, wasn't for what, what we, we not what it we wasn't want. what we wanted to hear, so we deem it as insufficient. Mm -hmm. I want to give you an example because God cares about every single thing in your life. Everybody who's close to me knows that I have been looking for a car since. 2019. Mm -hmm. um, 
Caleb was supposed to take my car to college. Yep. We found out that when he went to his when he went to Morehouse, he couldn't have a car, so I kept driving his car. Mm -hmm. But we always knew I had to find a car, have a car. In February 2020, mm -hmm. just before the pandemic, I think that I have found this car. Yep. I'm test driving this X5, and we, we we rented one. We drove it for the weekend. I'm like, this is the car. I get up on that Monday morning. I think it was like the end of February, the first week of March. I get up on that Monday morning, and the Holy Spirit says, do not get that car. He doesn't say why. He says, do not get that car. Well, I say because we had decided that when Caleb came home for spring break, he was going to take his, car, drive back, his right? car back. This is an example of sitting before mm -hmm. the Lord, right? Okay, God, if you don't want me to get that car, what car do you want me to get? He said, I don't want you to do anything right now. Mm -hmm. Strict, the Lord said, don't get the car. Strict said, the Lord said, don't get the car. Don't get the car. Now, what a lot of people would do in that would be like, I got to have a car. I got to have a car. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Right. That doesn't make sense. Right. So then what happens on March 13th? Mm -hmm. The nation shuts down. Yep. The boys come home for spring break. Yep. And they never go back except to unpack. Yep. To go except get all, to pack up pack and bring up. their stuff back. They never go back. God didn't say to me, Sean, there's going to be a pandemic. The boys are going to come home. You're not you going aren't to need gonna, to drive, aren't gonna need to drive anywhere. Literally, because for 90 days, the only car that moved was yours yep. when we went to the store to get food, yep. right? So now when it was coming time, because sit still before the Lord. So in the back of my mind, I got that whenever they go back to school, Caleb's going to take a car. I'm going to need a car, yep. right? But this is how I started to relax into it. So number one, I'm driving down the street. Well, one day I'm standing in the kitchen and the Lord says to me, he says, I can't help you because you won't be honest about what you want. Mm. Well, let me be honest. I didn't really know what that meant right there. Right. I, but but you go know in a second. So I just decide, listen, if push comes to shove, Chase and Caleb will take their cars. Caleb will take my car and I could just ride with Strick for a while. Mm -hmm. We both work from home right now. It's not that big a deal. If we got to do something, we'll rent a car. We'll just share a car. We'll just share a car, yeah. whatever. But, but and so, but in the meantime, and Kanan is helping me. Kanan's helping me. Every time we're going down the road, she's like, do you like that car? Do you like that car? Do you like that car? This is me sitting before the Lord mm -hmm. and waiting patiently on him, mm -hmm. right? Because I'm like, well, God, what kind of car should I get? Because I don't know what I want, right? We go down to the, to meet, to hang out with the Marlowe's one day. Kanan says, since you're going to Little Rock, why don't you go by the Audi dealership? Mm -hmm. Why don't you go by the Audi dealership? Now, she got her own purpose for this. Right, because she's really, she's really prepping you for the car she wants. She's prepping me for the car <laughs> she's wanting. And she's like, Mom, listen, since you don't know what car you want, Caleb's going to take your car. Here's what I think you should do. I think you should get an X5. You should drive the X5 for a year, and then you should give it to me. So I say to Edwin, she might be right. Maybe. I don't know, because I, I have no idea what kind of car I want. Because for years, all of our cars were cars that fit enough kids. We got right. five kids. So it was like, I knew I didn't want a big car anymore, but I didn't know what I wanted. So we go down there to do what Kana says, and we test drive the X5. And I'm like, that's not it. And so we're sitting in there, and Edwin says, well... You know, listen, if you just go give it to her in a year anyway, you know, we're debating whether I'll just go back and get the same car I had, which was a Ford Edge, or whether I'll just get the X5 so I can give it to her. And then there's this car on the lot. And I look, that car catches my eye. Now, this car has caught my eye, but I'm talking to the Lord about this car. Lord, can, what's that car right there? He's like, tell him you want to see it. This is in the, in the car dealership. Tell him you want to see it. 
So they get the car, we drive the car. When I sit in the car, I haven't even driven it yet. I know that this is the car that the Lord has for me in this season in my life, right? But this is what I'm saying. I'm saying, I love this car, but I will not get this car if you don't want me to. Mm -hmm. I love this car, but you, I will not get it if you don't want me to. I say to Edwin, I say, Edwin, I love this car. Now that's big for you because yeah, I don't say stuff don't like say, I love you cars. You don't say you love anything material. I don't say, I say, I love this car. I, I love, when I drove that car, baby, listen, ooh, it blessed my soul on the inside <laughs> of it, right? And I said, so number one, I'm saying to God, if you tell me to walk away from this car, I won't get this mm -hmm. car. Now I'm saying to my husband, hear me, I don't need my husband to get a car. I don't mm -hmm. need it. But I'm bringing the decision to him to say, I want to be sure that I've committed my way to the Lord and that I'm being still and hearing from, from the Lord, right? And my husband says, he says, man, he says, um, yeah, she wants this car right here. He says, you want this car? I said, I want this car. He says, get the car. So I end up getting a car that I had never seen on the road before I end up getting a QA. Praise the Lord. I'm so thankful for it. But this is what I realized when I was driving this morning and he was fussing to me about speeding. Right? <laughs> this is what I realized about the car. I realized that what I needed to admit is that my days of needing SUVs were over and that I didn't really. You really like luxury cars. I do. I do. I like performance cars. I, yeah, I like luxury. You like performance. I like performance. And he was like, I, I realized all this time God was trying to get what he had put in my heart to the surface so I could ask him for it. So he so could give it to me. You better hear what I'm saying. You better so he hear what I'm saying. That, and that's, that's the reason he prompts our hearts. Because he prompts our hearts or primes our hearts so we will admit what we want, so we will ask him for it, so he can delight in giving it to so us. So he can delight in giving it to us. So just as excited as you are mm -hmm. when you get to give your kids a gift, mm -hmm. your father is that excited yep. when he can get you to come in alignment with him so he can give you what it was his desire to give you anyway. Yep. He's watching you out here struggling and, and, and making hard decisions. And he like, hold on, boo, listen, follow us in your heart, yep. right? If you follow us in your heart, and, and, and here was the thing though, because I like, and, the, and I, I think this is a measuring stick, because I like the car so much and I don't usually like material possessions like that, I had to pause and make sure that that was cool with God. Right. Make sure that that was cool with God. Right. There are some things in your life that God wants to do for you right now that if you would stop trying, it's not that God doesn't want you to have a house. He knows where the house really? is. It's not that God doesn't want you to have a better paying job. He knows where it is. It's not that God doesn't want you to have someone to be booed up with and spend the rest of your life with and covenant with. He knows where they are. So help me to expose my desires, bring them in alignment with you, and it. then help me have the courage to admit that that's what I want. Because now I know it's because of some of the saints, they like, well, don't nobody really need a Q8 like that. Well, nobody needs more than three shirts, but we got them. And so God is not in poverty in his mentality that because Chris gets something new, now I can't have something new. Or because God raises up Edwin, now he can't raise up me. 
God knows where everything we need is. He know he knows things we don't even know about ourselves. And if we would submit to the jury, and it's so funny because every time we drive past a, a X5, you say to me, aren't you glad you didn't get that call? Because it wasn't in your heart. It wasn't what you wanted. And I think many times what we do is we don't admit to God what we want. And we, we what we really do is we, we say to God, I'll take X. But God's never Ooh, asking us to God. take anything. My God. He's never asking us to take anything. He's like, what do you want? And if you will do step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, step six, he says step seven. If you will do these things, you literally position yourself to have a blank check and ask God for what God put in your heart. And I love it. God puts it there. So I'll ask him for it so he can give it to me. Because have you ever seen the desire in the kid's heart so they would ask you for Absolutely. it? Because I certainly have. Absolutely. Where you see the desire in your kid's heart, right? Have you ever seen the desire in your kid's heart because it was something you when, wanted when, to when, do when for Chase them? When Chase used to first started liking uh, Jordans, I started looking at different Jordans and I'd be like, oh, what do you think about these? What do you think about these? What do you think about these? Why? Because I knew I wanted to get them for him for a Christmas gift or a birthday gift. You know, I didn't, I, I was seeding it in his heart so he would see it and be like, oh, I hadn't seen these. I like those. Oh, you like those? Oh, good. You really like those? Oh, great. I can't wait to your birthday. I can't wait to Christmas because this is what I want to give you because I want to see the joy in your face of me giving you this desire that I put there in the first place. I love what Chris said. It's the twinkle in the eye for me. Mm -hmm. It's when you get somebody something and you know that it was the thing and they light up. And if we are humans created in the image of God and that is our desire to do for people we love, do you think God really has you out here just barely making it with stuff that you don't really want, just thankful so you can have the something? The Bible says if your if you're earthly fathers can give good gifts, how much more could your heavenly father? Yes. He says, your heavenly father desires to give you the whole kingdom. He says, so if your earthly father would get you Jordans because you like them, can you imagine what your heavenly father wants to do for you? And you got to get delivered. I want to say two things, then we're going to get to number seven. You got to get delivered from people's opinion because it's going to always be someone. If you receive everything that God has for you, it's going to be somebody who thinks you're doing too much. Well, that's what you said earlier when you reviewed the resilience. Thing. We don't worry about what other people think. We don't worry about resilience what other people, people think. Don't care but I'm saying it. you got to get free from that. Yes. Otherwise, you will shrink back and God will start to bless you and move you to the forefront mm -hmm. and do all of these things on the inside of you. You got to have that Canaan mentality, baby. Canaan is like, listen, I get what I get from mom and dad. If you don't get what you get, that's on you. That yeah. don't have nothing to do with me. I came to be like, I figured they got money for all of us and, and they'll take care of all of us. And if you don't get what you get, that's on you. But I want to tell you one more thing I did about this car because I didn't know what I, I didn't know what kind of car I wanted, but here's what I would do. When people would post on Facebook that they got a car that they loved, especially if they use the words, this was my dream car. I wanted this car. I would ask them for their cash app and send them gas money mm -hmm. because I didn't know what I was wanting, but, but I so wanted to so into that mm -hmm. kind of feeling, mm -hmm. right? So I just wanted to add that. That's so good. number seven, last thing, you want to recap them one more time? No. Okay. Know. Number seven. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Yes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Everybody gets angry, but the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 and 26, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. 
Some of you need to give your anger to the Lord today. You are perpetually angry. Mm -hmm. If you if you look at your life over the course of seven days, you go find something to get angry about. And sometimes, you, and, and, and sadly for many believers, they're mad at God. I cannot tell you the number of people that we have. And you used to tell me that because you talked to a lot of more people than I do and everything. You say people are mad at God. I go, no, there's no way people are mad at God. You did, you used to like I, I did. I just thought you was making, not really making it up. But I thought you was misinterpreting something. Nobody could be mad at God. How can you be mad at perfection? That doesn't make any sense. If, if, if it's you and God and somebody messed up, it had to be you. How did you expect it to be God? But then as I started talking to more people, especially over the pandemic, I realized how many people are angry at God. You cannot expect the person to bless you who you are angry at. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, then Anitra said that someone won't admit that they're angry. And here's the thing mm. I want to talk about in this sovereignty with God. And I always use this example to talk about sovereignty with God. People want, I want God to stop you from acting out of course, mm -hmm. but not me. Ooh. I want God, if you are going to do something to injure me, I want God to make you stop. I don't want God to make me stop. So I want a God who is selective and cannot be trusted. Wow. I want a God that I can say, stick is about to do something I don't like. You intervene and you stop it right now. But I also want God to let me have free choice mm -hmm. and let me move where I want to move and go where it is that I want to go. And if you would admit that you would get free, because if you say, why does God allow people to do what they do? Why does God allow you to do what you do? Mm -hmm. Because you have done stuff too. Mm -hmm. You have said ugly stuff too. You have been immature too. You have injured people too. So do you want God? You want a God who controls other people, but not a God that controls you. That's that cognitive dissonance. It is. It's, it's this idea that, that I want God to punish and stop other people for doing the same thing I do, but I don't think about the fact that I'm doing it. I just think and about how they do. I heard this. You said, but I, I but I didn't do what they did. All unrighteousness is mm -hmm. seen. Mm -hmm. All unrighteousness is sin. In fact, faith, Romans says this, anything that's not done in faith is sin. Mm -hmm. So what happens is I set myself on a pedestal and I say, God, why didn't you stop Edwin from talking so rough mm -hmm. to me, right? Because I literally used to want God to close your mouth from mm -hmm. talking rough to me, but not close my own. Mm -hmm. See? But not close my own. But not close my own. But not close my own. Mm -hmm. So I don't want him to tell me what to do. I don't want him to stop me from dating the wrong person. I don't want him to stop me from taking a job, moving to a city, doing all of this stuff. But I want him to control you. I want God to let My me goodness. move how I want to move. And I want God to let me be a dictator, mm. to be a dictator to other people and let me move how I want to move. Now, I want to say this because people who get mad at God over losing loved ones. Right. I get that it's tough when loved ones die. I get when it's tough that loved ones die. Let me say this, and this goes sound insensitive, but it's not insensitive if you just hear my heart. We come here knowing we're going to die. Mm -hmm. We come here knowing we're going to die. If a man is born, if a woman is born, they are going to die. That's just the fact. And we tell our kids the natural order of things is they should bury us. We should not bury them. Our kids should bury us. We should not bury them. So you should help your kids. I love what Bita said. It's like my kids fight each other, but we, they want me to punish the other one from hitting them. They mm -hmm. both out there hitting each other, mm -hmm. just way making on each other. And one of them just think the other one should get a whooping, right? So the thing we don't understand about death is that we don't know 
what happened behind the scenes. So you'll say, I did, I use my faith and I believe God. How do you know that the whole time that you was believing God for your grandmama to stay, that it was really because you wanted your grandmama to stay, but your grandmama said she wanted mm -hmm. to go home again. So you want God to control your grandmama and keep her here because you feel like you need her, but not control you. God is not a dictator. God is not a dictator. Mm -hmm. And there are so many things we don't understand that I believe he would explain to us if we didn't get angry and offended and distanced so we don't understand what happened. Mm -hmm. Yes, we can say, listen, when my cousin Keith died, that took me for a loop. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect that. I said to the Lord, I don't understand. And the Lord showed me a series of things that are not for sharing with you guys that play into mm -hmm. that. There are consequences, actions, and choices. Ralph was talking about his grandmother several weeks ago and his mother several weeks ago. And he was like, when he first asked God not to take his grandmother, I mean, his mother, to heal his mother years ago when he was a child, he God honored him. God honored that. But at some point when his mother would not change her life choices, then her body quit on her. And so in reality, you say, you say, um, how does somebody die as a drunk from a drunk driver? A drunk driver got in their car and drove. Mm -hmm. That's how. How do bad things happen? How did somebody get molested? Because somebody who was a molester molested. You gotta have that 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 Job spirit that no matter what goes on, you are not going to condemn God. I'm not cursing I'm God. I'm not cursing God. I'm not condemning God. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I, I just chalk it up to the fact that there's a lot of things I don't understand. But what I do understand is that God loves me. God is good. It just reminds me of this right here. When the old people, you say, we'll understand it better by and by. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to hang on with God so I can understand it better by and by. Mm -hmm. So in your anger, do not sin. I'm not saying you can't go to God and say, I don't understand. Right, right. I'm not saying you can't say to God, man, I do not understand why at my job they keep talking crazy to or me. Or even say, I God, this hurts. This is painful. I need you. I mean, he'll come. He'll rescue you. But it's okay to acknowledge the feelings. What you can't do is get trapped in the feelings. But what you don't have the right to do to God is sit in a seat of arrogance. Yeah. I'll never forget this. I will never forget when you were the principal of McNair and you really helped me change how I see leadership. And parents, they, they were so rude that when you left home, left work at 530 in the evening, they would call us at home to want to talk to you about stuff. And I wouldn't let them talk to you and they would be so mad at me. But I remember one day I came to your office for something. You were on the phone and you said to this lady, you said, the, this lady wanted you to do something for her kid. And she, he said, she said, you said to her, I'm sure you believe that is the best decision for your daughter. Unfortunately, I am tasked with doing what is best for all. How many kids was there? 850 kids. All 850 kids here. From your seat, your solution makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. From my seat, it doesn't work. So when I, from my limited in time view, try to tell God what should have happened, mm -hmm. I am speaking from my own perspective. I do not know how God is orchestrating and superintending the affairs of me. And I want you to think about this. Because God doesn't control us, right? Mm -hmm. What God has to do is that he has to have 
millions and trillions of scenarios working all mm -hmm. at one time mm -hmm. trying to get us all to say yes to him mm -hmm. so he's chosen not to control us do you hear what i'm saying he's chosen not to control us but right he's given us multiple paths he's given us multiple you. paths but now what he has to do is that he has to make sure we talk about this all the time we talk about how we have three specific points where we could have met mm -hmm. Three specific points where we could have met. One time, I didn't get out the car. Yeah. One time, you left before I got there. One time, I left before you got there. Then we met. We don't know how long God had been trying to orchestrate that we would meet mm -hmm. each other. And I'm saying to you that you need to realize that God is bigger than you. Mm. And what's happening in life is it. bigger than you. Yep. It's not all about you. Yep. And yes, some of you have had terrible things happen to you because God doesn't control mm -hmm. people. But this is the thing that I always think about. I always think about that. If I stop and consider what happened to me with, with God, what did he keep me from? Mm. What did he keep me from? What did he keep me from? Because I don't know about you, but the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And I made some decisions that should have caused my death. Oh, he's a keeper. I made some decisions that is a anybody know he a keeper. Anybody want to give up that anger today? And yes, you feel yes. Yes. Bad things happen to you when your grandmother died prematurely. And yes, these things and somebody touched you. And yes, your father wasn't what he was supposed to be. But. Anybody know that he kept you? Has any is anybody willing to say even when I wasn't listening, even when I was doing the things I wasn't supposed to be doing? I think about this. I dated a guy one time that had beat every girl that he ever dated, but he never beat me. I was walking through Walmart the other day and I want to I said I want to thank you. See because in my arrogance, I thought that he just didn't hit me cuz I was me. Mm -hmm. But in truth, he really didn't hit me probably cuz of the prayers my grandmother mm -hmm. had prayed over me. Let me tell you something. If you ever stop and think about how God has kept you even when you weren't doing what you were supposed to do, even when you was offended, how he was intersecting your path. You walked into something where somebody should have took your life. You walked into something where you should have been in an abusive situation. You got an abusive situation. He navigated you out. If you would live from that place, you would be like, man, listen, it's a lot of stuff I don't understand, but what I do know is this, God is good. What I do know, I, even when I can't trace him, here's what I know. God is good. He's good. What I know is God is good. I've been in some situations. I, I need some praises. I need about 13 seconds of praise. Listen, if you want to give your life to the Lord, if you want to rededicate your life, you can do that now if you're ready to give. But listen, let me tell you something. Some of you need to make an exchange with your anger today for some praise and thanksgiving. Because if you stop and think back over your life, honey, you did not. You are not still here because you've been so smart. That's right. You are not still here because you were so savvy, because you were so street savvy, because you had so much hustle you ain't even been here quickly you ain't even still here because you've been so good you literally it's literally been the mercy of god that has kept you when you was out in the streets at the club doing everything his hand was on your life and he too good to be mad at me too good he's too good to be mad can you can i, I need me about 500 folks to be like he too good to be mad at he, he is to way mad. too good to be he mad at you know what babe? let me tell you something you don't know this, but I'm going to tell you in front of the people so you got witnesses. Sometimes I want to be mad at you now 
And I literally say to myself, you know, Edwin is too good to you for you to be way mad at him. He way too good for you to, for you to be <laughs> mad at him. No, real talk. Real, real talk, talk. Real, real talk. talk. Way too good. Well, the truth of it is, you're only a small portion of the goodness of God displayed mm -hmm. to me. And if you too good to be mad at because and of how if that good small you are. portion is that good, you know how much God loves. Right, I love it. I love it, babe. Uh huh. Yes, he's way too good to be mad at. I just feel like we can do this. I, I want to put up the um. I want to put up the offering information, but I want to do the forgiveness exercise. I feel like some of you need to. There's power in the forgiveness exercise, and whenever we forgive, there is a supernatural grace to heal that comes on our life. I want you to hear me. Whenever we forgive, there is a supernatural grace that comes on our life to heal. Some of you are so angry because mm. you haven't forgiven mm. and because you haven't healed. Mm -hmm. But today is your exchange day. Mm -hmm. So we want to do the forgiveness exercise. We want to do the forgiveness against um uh, for two, two things people who you feel injured you and for yourself. So we're just going to do it real fast. We've gotten real proficient at doing this. And I encourage this you is, to hang in there. Don't. This ain't the time to jump off the broadcast. Not, 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 and not if right you here. know you need to forgive somebody, then you sure need to stick around mm -hmm. here. Don't let the enemy distract you because mm -hmm. all you're going to do is go do nothing and stay in the same place, right? So we're just going to do the forgiveness exercise. I'm going to ask you a simple question. Same question that I ask every time. Is there anybody that you need to forgive? Any name that comes up, any voice that you hear, any face that you see, that is the person that you need to forgive. Now, here's what you're going to do. You are going to make a decision to forgive. Forgiveness is a decision, a decision. just like salvation yes. is a decision. Yes. You are going to believe that as you make this choice to forgive, you are partaking in the supernatural grace to heal from the injury that you have had. Because some of you, you haven't really moved on because you're not he you are you aren't healed yet because you're still angry. So we're going to do this. So, Faye, you just repeat after me so they can get it, okay? okay. Say, um, we're going to use a name tonight. We're going to use a name. Um, the name we're going to use today is Mike. That's the name that I hear. We're going to okay. say, say, Mike, I choose to forgive you. Mike, I choose to forgive you. Whether you meant to hurt me or not. Whether you meant to hurt me or not. Today. Today. I choose. I choose. To forgive you. To forgive you. Mike. Mike. I do not need your apology. I do not need your apology. In order to forgive you. In order to forgive you. Today. Today. I choose. I choose. To release you. To release you. And in releasing you. And in releasing you. I just released myself. I just released myself. In releasing you. In releasing you. I just released myself. I just released myself. Father God, in the name of Jesus. Father God. In the name of Jesus. Heal me. Heal me. From every place. From every place. That has been wounded. That has been wounded. And stayed wounded. And stayed wounded. Because I stayed in unforgiveness. Because I stayed in unforgiveness. I repent. I repent. For operating. For operating. In the spirit of unforgiveness. In the spirit of unforgiveness. Nothing. Nothing. That anyone has done to me. That anyone has done to me. Or anyone that I love. Or anyone that I love. Justifies. Justifies. My disobedience to you. My disobedience to you. So today. So today. I release Mike. I release Mike as an act of my faith in you. As an act of my faith in you. And I receive healing. And I receive your healing. As an act of my faith in you. As an act of my faith in you. And Mike, Mike and, and I. And Mike and I are both free to move forward. Are both free to move forward. And I thank you in Jesus' and name. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
I thank you in Jesus name. Amen. If you did that exercise, let us know. Some people feel healing. People feel lightness in their heart. One of the things that we're seeing a lot now is people feel clarity in their thoughts. Some of you may need to go back and rewind this when this is over and do this for people that you feel died prematurely. You are angry with them because they died prematurely. Listen, I think I did this a dozen times when we first started doing this. Um, and, and when I did it, I never saw one face. I was through groups of people. I would see clusters of people and I would have to forgive them in clusters. And I still did it uh, about 12 this. times uh, in clusters till I got till I got through forgiving all of them jokers who I felt like had done. No, seriously, who had dealt with, who had done me wrong or had taken advantage. And, and so now when I do it, it's so freeing that I don't see faces at all. Like, I couldn't even think of a mic. I was trying to think of somebody. I was like, who, who do I need to forgive? And I, I, I've so gotten over all of that unforgiveness. That is the reason I, I have healed. And I think that's the reason that I'm, I'm better as a father. I'm better as a husband. I'm better as a pastor because I was pastoring, fathering, and trying to be a, and trying to be a husband with all that unforgiveness. And it just clogs you up. It just clogs you up. So those of you who were like, oh, man, that was one person, but I got some more. You're not alone. I had groups of people. And you used to hate to do this exercise, too, didn't you? I used, used to get to up and walk away. You, when when I, you would have church, events, I would leave. He would, you would leave. <laughs> I ain't no shame in my game. I thought, I ain't, uh-uh, I ain't, uh-uh. I'm gone. I'm going to the bathroom. But, 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 you know, if you don't commit to the process, no matter who you are, you're going to stay in that place. So I love Angela says she had groups of people and then Vita says she did it with the same person. You can take this exercise and do it every day. I did it with one person probably for about six months. I would just they keep popping up. They keep popping up. And I would just say, nope, I choose to forgive you. Nope, I choose to forgive you. Even if they were still doing something, I say, nope, I choose to forgive you. Right now, this is for people who you need to forgive yourself. Because you are stuck and you are being tormented. Your mama says she feel like she had a heart transplant. Mm. And you can. You can get a new heart. You can get a new heart here tonight. Some of you <laughs> today, some of you because of the mistakes that you made, you're beating yourself up because you feel like you should have known better. Someone should not have been able to take advantage of yourself. You of you like that. You got shame and you guilt and you don't even understand that your unforgiveness of yourself keeps you in a place to keep being tormented. And can I can I say one thing you can. to the people who feel like you should have been smart enough that someone did shouldn't have taken advantage of you or you should have known better or whatever. I want to say to you, the character flaw is not in you. It's in the people who took advantage of you. If, if, if I'm in a relationship and we're supposed to be friends, we're supposed to be partners, we're supposed to be family, and I'm supposed to trust you, I'm supposed to love you, and you take advantage of me, that's not a character flaw of me. That's a character flaw of you. And that's why I choose to forgive you because of your character flaws. I'm supposed to trust. I'm supposed to love. So for those of you who feel like that, I want to help you get free. You are not a bad person for trusting people. If you are in relationship with someone who trust is a thing that is supposed to be there and then they take advantage of that, the issue is with them, not with you. And the reason you have to forgive them yep. is so you don't sit in their flaw yep. because you because you understand this. There is a divine connection. When I forgive, I can partake in the grace to heal. Mm -hmm. If I refuse to forgive, I cannot heal. Nope. 
I cannot heal. And if I can't heal, then I stay in that wounded space. I stay in and that wounded everywhere space. Everywhere I go, I bleed on everybody around me. Even though I don't think I'm bleeding on folks. I bleed on everybody around me. Even though I think my I'm behavior wounded. is justified. Mm -hmm. Yes. So people saying this is really help. This is this is this is real. People saying this is really helping them. Oh, this okay. is really good. Okay. Now we are going to forgive ourselves because sometimes we didn't listen to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we did do what we weren't supposed mm -hmm. to do. But whatever the case, we've forgiven them. Now we're gonna forgive ourselves. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm call my own name. And when you call your own name, you just repeat after me. So I just we say Sean. So you just say Sean. <laughs> Whatever. Say, Sean. Sean. I choose to forgive you. I choose to forgive you. Whether you hurt me intentionally or not. Whether you hurt me intentionally or not. Now, Paul, some of you may be thinking, why would I say whether I hurt myself intentionally or not? Because there's some things that you did on accident and there's some things you did in disobedience. Mm -hmm. The things you did in disobedience were intentional mm -hmm. hurts. The things you did on accident, they are unintentional mm -hmm. hurts, right? So we're going to start again now that you have that context. Mm -hmm. Sean, Sean, I choose to forgive you. I choose to forgive you. Whether you hurt me intentionally or not. Whether you hurt me intentionally or not. Today, today, I release you. I release you. And in releasing you, and in releasing you I, release myself I release myself to move forward. To move forward. Say, Sean. Sean. I repent. I repent to the Lord. To the Lord for going my own way. For going my own way. I never should have gone my own I way. I never should have gone. My I should have trusted God. I should have trusted God. But now, Sean. But now, Sean. I release you. I release you for how I am punishing you. For how I'm punishing. You. I release you. I release you for how I am punishing you. For how I am punishing for your you. previous bad decisions. For your previous bad decisions. You are free. You are free to be restored. To be restored. And you are free. And you are free to move forward. To move forward. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Come and heal. Come and heal all of the places. All of the places. And all of the wounds. And all of the wounds that I. Have that I have for the way for the way that I have abused myself. I have abused myself, mistreated myself, mistreated myself, and sabotaged myself, and sabotaged myself for operating in unforgiveness. Operating unforgiveness. Heal me, heal me, and help me to move forward. And help me to move forward. In fact, Father, in fact, Father, I am asking for. I am asking for a five to one. A five to one. Put me, put me where I would have been. Where I would have been had I not, had I not disobeyed you, disobeyed you, and injured myself, and injured myself. I believe I received. I believe. I I, I choose to forgive myself. I, to forgive myself. I know you have forgiven me. I know you have. Forgiven. It is over. It is over. I'm moving forward. I am moving forward. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 This is a church of restoration. This is a church of restoration. Amen. This is a church of restoration. Send us your testimonies. Listen, you have your opportunity to give. Man, listen, you are. You can call your seed today your new start seed. Mm -hmm. It's my new start seed. I'm not taking them with me. I'm not taking this old me with me. I'm moving on. I'm not going to still be beating myself up in 2021 for a mistake I made in 2012. Yep. Just because I had, we, we were, we were with some friends and I said to my friend who had all this angst about getting a new car. I said, the problem is you're still responding to yourself about way who you used to be mm -hmm. way back then when you made bad decisions. How many of you are still res responding to yourself based on who you used to be, not understanding who God has called you to be? Mm. It's a new season. Everybody put that in the comments. It's, it's a, a new, new season. season. It's a new season. It's a new start. A and new let me tell you why I think this is so beautiful. 
Jewish New Year yep. starts tomorrow. Yep. Baby, it's a, it's a new season and you just stepped into the newness. Step into the newness. Now, it's your opportunity to give. Listen, you know there are ways to give. Give the five, push, pay, text to give, 833-969-0897 or PayPal at FOC Church NWA. Let me tell you something. Right here, what we just did for you, this was at least a counseling session. Mm. So your offering today should at least be a counseling session. And listen, if this if this broadcast has been a blessing to you, not just today, but this whole teaching series, you, you ought to consider when you sow that if you don't call this your new season seed, you at least call it your resiliency. Your resiliency. You, you need to name it. And I know that there's ways when you give that you can put that in there. You can put it on the comment or the note. You need to name this seed today. I am telling you, just like I've been hearing from so many of you the last several weeks. This is not the end of this. This is going to be the thing that's going to propel you through not only the last quarter of this year, but going into 2022 and all throughout 2022. I believe that God has positioned us to be able to handle life choices and to still come out on top. That's good. And I'm just telling you, for those of you who did this exercise and you follow God, there's going to be promotion. There's going to be increase. There's going to be new joy. There's going to be new love. Yeah. There's going to, even some of you who are married. There's going to be a newness to your love because you're still you were still together, but you was walking in unforgiveness. I'm telling you, it's a great season to be alive. And so we're saying that that's why you want to eat well. That's why you want to take care of yourself. Yeah. You want to wear your mask. You want to social distance because it's a great season wear to be alive. Mask. And you want to be. Be here for it yes. because let me tell you something. When it looks like the devil is winning, I want y'all to hear me as we close up. There is no scenario. Pastor Ellen and I watch a lot of Marvel movies. Right now they're doing a series called What If? So it's different timelines. There is no timeline. <laughs> there is no, there time is no alternative universe where God loses. Where God loses. <laughs> there is not one. There is no timeline. Where you look, turn to there's no variant. Who can there is no variant, honey. <laughs> there is no deviation in the timeline, baby. There is not a choice that you can make. There is no situation where God ever loses. So think and, about that. So, so, so realistically, no matter what uh, timeline I find myself on. If I find myself with God, I'm winning on that time. I'm winning on that timeline. I'm winning on that timeline. <laughs> and if y'all would get up and begin to expect to win, I guarantee you, you'd have more victory in your life. Yes. Nobody wants to. Who, what coach goes out and says to a group of players, you know what? We probably go lose tonight, but give it your best shot. Right. Nobody does that. No, 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 no. We are cheating. Even when they play in Alabama and know they're going to lose. They don't go out there thinking This is not no lose. Alabama message. I'm just saying. This is not no Alabama message. You always got to bring up the Alabama. But let me tell y'all what I told them today, Arkansas fans. I said, as of yesterday, Arkansas and Alabama got the same record. Now, how about that? How about that? Now, all right. We love you guys. We want you to come to Strategies for Success. It's, new, uh, um, it's Labor Day, but I'm going to still do it tomorrow because I know a lot of people are off. And, you know, and if I don't, I'm just going to preach it all to Pastor Edwin. He's going to be like, please go do a live. And then on Tuesday night, we have Tuesday night prayer. Something supernatural happens when we pray mm -hmm. at 8 p.m. We know something supernatural is happening when we pray. Wednesday, Ralph has been teaching his behind off. He had a powerful teaching on imagination. Your imagination is going to dictate you your life. It, you ought to go here. You need to go watch it, right? And then on Thursday, Thursday, we have Ignite 
for our young people. Get your kids involved in Ignite. Get your babies watching um, watching um, Victory Zone so they can grow in the Lord. And then on Friday morning, baby, that's right at 6.30 a.m. Central Time, we pray because something supernatural happens when we and pray. shout out to you and West Coasters. West Coast people, 4.30. They be strong, too. Y'all, as soon as it go live, they be the first ones on there. The West Coast make me want to be a better person because, <laughs> you know, I just love y'all. I just pull from y'all resiliency is what I do, right? On Saturday, you enjoy the day. It's going to be some good football on Saturday. Y'all know I'm happy. It's football season again, baby. Yes. Y'all know I'm happy. And then on Sunday, we'll be right back here. Pastor Chris and Elder Valley did such a great they job. Did. They, they did, did such a great job. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, Pat, we don't know when we're going to do this, but Pastor Elwin mentioned it last week, so we're going to make it happen. He talked about the four of us, including Chandra. I wonder if Chandra's here. The four of us all teaching together. So y'all should put a demand on them. Chandra, Pastor Ralph, Sean, um, Chandra, Pastor Ralph, and Pastor Chris, tell them that's what you want, that we would do a couple of teachings where we would all teach together so you could hear the various. Really, with all of them, we do have the fivefold ministry in mm-hmm. operation with all of them. And so we love you guys. We want you to have a great week. We speak the blessing over you and thank you guys for everybody who held on it because you held on you know what I'm going to do I release the blessing over you Mm -hmm. because you held on I release the blessing over Mm -hmm. you because you did not cave in and quit I release the blessing over you what you displayed honor I release the blessing Chandra don't get them eyes you can teach you gonna come (laughs) on over here and teach too and so we declare the blessing over you this is a week of increase this is a week of favor this is a week of divine protection someone who needs a financial breakthrough because of your honor that your breakthrough is coming this week. week this week this week this week somebody said giving out one more time can you put that up giving out one more time they asked for the giving app the information oh the, oh, the giving information there, it is. there we go thank you very much all right we love y'all y'all have an amazing week enjoy your labor day we love y'all we're going home to watch some football be safe and wear your mask wear your mask you know why because <laughs> a lot of great things happening in life you want to be here tell your neighbor say you want to be here you want to be, be here wear your mask you want to be here all right we love y'all we out god bless have a great week